Welcome to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox of Doctors Nutrition. We continue our journey to better health through proper nutrition, supplementation, and knowledge. And now, here are Drs. Fox and Live Healthy, Be Healthy. Welcome to Live Healthy, Be Healthy, and thank you for joining us here today. Hi, I'm Dr. Jim Fox. And I'm Dr. Janine Fox. And this episode, I think, is going to bring a lot of um, people back to reality, Janine. You know, um, the name of it is Insulin Resistance is Not Benign. And I think most people think that insulin resistance and even prediabetes is a benign condition. Yeah, we see it every day. I mean, we, we have people, I mean, we do a lot of lab work. We do. And we go over lab work and we tell them they're insulin resistant. We tell them they're prediabetic and they don't seem to care much i mean a lot of people say well you know what i can't change what i do well you know what they obviously don't care that it's going to kill them right you know and i think uh all time all too many times rather um people come in and their family doctor or primary care guy or gal has told them uh, well you know you're you're pre-diabetic you're borderline well borderline is a problem it is because it's the insulin resistance starting Mm -hmm. and in today's episode we're going to be talking about how it can affect almost every organ in the body. Um, it's not just something that just people think, oh, well, it's just diabetes. Everybody else is diabetic, too. But, you know, insulin <laughs> yeah. resistance and diabetes can affect everything in the body. Yeah. The thing I think that most people don't realize is way before it becomes diabetes. Right. It's, it's doing damage. It is. So and it's not a benign disorder. No, it's not. I even see a lot of people lately. We've seen so many people come in that already have the peripheral neuropathies. Mm-hmm. And they're not diabetic. No, their A1C is still well within range. It's actually, they're not diabetic. But when you look, they're almost all insulin resistant. So the insulin resistance is causing damage and it's already starting. And it's just going to be really bad once they become diabetic. Right. And they don't want to, you know, they're like, oh, well, my doctor says that I'm not diabetic. So it's not diabetic, diabetes doing this. And I'm like, well, you're insulin resistant and you're pre-diabetic. And all the new research is pointing to that it can do it already. You don't have to wait until you're full blown to cause the nerve damage. That's very true. Actually, you know, a lot of people, you know, I mean, everybody out there is probably familiar with the uh, hemoglobin A1C being the marker, if you will, for diabetes. And, you know, if your hemoglobin A1C is above uh, 6.4 in most lab cases, you're considered to be diabetic. So anything below that, somewhere between, say, 5.7 and 6.3 in that range, you're pre-diabetic. You're not really diabetic, quote unquote, by the diagnostic yet. terms yet. But you're there. That's what everybody you know says. It's coming. Line. I mean, it's well, definitely you know it's coming. coming. You know, I think the thing that, uh, and I think this is something that, and I'm going to go say this. I think this is where medicine is letting these uh, the folks down because they're not emphasizing enough that you know, yes, you're pre-diabetic, and and it's and causing, we can change this around, right? And it's going to cause you a lot of problems down the road. But I think most of the time, people say, well, you know, I've been told, well, I'm, I'm pre-diabetic, but it's, you know, I'm borderline, borderline. The, the attitude is, let's just wait, and right. then we'll treat it once you become diabetic. Our approach is don't become diabetic. Yes. Change it now because type 2 diabetes, which is what it turns into, it does Mm -hmm. not turn into type 1, totally different story, Right. is preventable and reversible. That's true. It is And people want to say, oh, you can't reverse it with diet. Yes, you can. We see it all the time. We have had so many people uh, over the years that have been, you know, full-blown type 2 diabetics, uh, some even taking insulin. You know, which is compounding the problem even worse. But some of them were doing that. Um, the the normal drugs like your metformin and so on 
aren't working, so they'll start adding insulin to them, and they get fatter and fatter and sicker and sicker. Right, and the reason why it doesn't work Mm -hmm. is they don't change their diet. Right. And if you don't change your diet, you're not going to control it. Now, I agree. Type 2 diabetes cannot be reversed, and you can eat what you want. Not going to happen. No, no. And I always tell people, and people always say to me, okay, I've done this. I've reversed it. Can I go back to eating what I was eating? I said, no, if you, that's what caused it in the first place. You know, so you can't go back to what yeah. you were doing because you're obviously predisposed to it. Right. And when your body is predisposed to not handling sugar properly, which probably none of us really handle it properly, but just no. some people are worse than others. It is that you definitely can't go back to do it because then it's going to get, you're going to get right back in the same spot again. Right. You know, this, this metabolic syndrome uh, that, that a lot of times is you hear talked about that and insulin resistance, and they kind of go hand in hand. Insulin resistance or our bodies becoming resistant to our own insulin is kind of how it starts. And it really starts when your body is taking in too much energy. Basically, food is energy. Food, and, and, right. Uh, is energy. And, you know, we're taking in too much of the high-energy food, which is the carbohydrates. And the sugars. And the sugars, yeah. And things that turn to sugar, like your potatoes, things like that. So the, the high starchy, high-carbohydrate foods, that's the problem. And when you get in too much energy, your body has to work to try to store it. And when it does that, it starts having problems. It starts, you know, actually in the liver and starts laying down what we call visceral fat. And there's actually a a term for this. You know, a lot of people think, well, because I'm not, I don't have the big beer belly, you know, I'm I'm okay. Actually, there's a a doc in, uh, I think it's University of Oxford in England, coined the term TOFI, T-O-F-I, thin on the outside, Fat on the inside. Right, because you can be thin, and we see a lot. (laughs) We see that all the time. Probably the thin men are the (laughs) ones that we see a lot because they're usually tall and thin. Right. And because of that, they say, well, I can eat what I want. Well, no, they can't. And we see a lot of those men have heart disease and heart attacks. No, we sure do. And it doesn't take being overweight to do it. Now, a lot of times, the insulin resistant does cause obesity. Now, the in most cases, in most does. cases, the people mm-hmm. are overweight, obese, gain weight right in the middle. But you know, the thing is, you happens, don't have to. Right. The thing that happens is the first place it starts storing energy, your liver starts storing this energy, is it starts storing it in the liver itself, right. which leads to something called a non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, right? Which can lead to cirrhosis. I mean, you know, I think a lot of times I've had I don't know how many people in the past year or so come in that have been actually diagnosed with fatty liver disease and that's an accumulation of fat in the liver because that's where it's processed and you know they say well i've got fatty liver i can't do anything about it yes you can can. Uh, but you have to change your diet like we said diet and lifestyle is going to be a biggie and when that liver starts laying down fat you start what we call visceral fat inside the viscera of the of the body cavity and it's not you know on the hips so to speak it's inside and that's when you can be tofi Right. And that's now it also can lay it down also on the outside. It sure can. And so eventually it it leads to obesity. Um, So one of the the epidemics of obesity, Mm -hmm. if you look, most of those people are somewhat insulin resistant, Um, especially when the weight is in the middle. Now, when I have somebody walk in the door, I can usually look at them and tell if they're insulin resistant. Well, their body type. Their body type. Now, the Mm -hmm. thin people, you can't without lab work. Mm -hmm. You cannot tell those. That's why everybody should have lab work done because just because you're not overweight does not mean you can't have it. But when you look at them and their middle is bigger than their hips, almost guaranteed. Yeah, that's that's actually um, a lot of the researchers that that are into this, um, you know, metabolic syndrome and studying it and so on, actually tell us that one of the best indicators is 
the waist, the waist circumference. Yeah. What they call the waist circumference, WC. You'll see in it ratio listed. to the hips. The ratio to the hips, right. That's the that is the biggest thing that that actually tells us what's going on. Yeah, when you see some of these people, especially I mean, you women then with a little bitty waist mm-hmm. and the kind of big old bottom and big old legs, they're not necessarily insulin resistant. No, and actually when they have a little bitty middle and right. then a big old in the hips has actually mm-hmm. not usually insulin resistance no and actually that doesn't uh, tend to be tend to affect the heart, affect as, well. The heart exactly, as well exactly because they've so, actually yeah. found when you actually gain the weight at the bottom like the women and it tends to be more in women yes it doesn't affect a lot of times their health mm-hmm. but when you gain it in that middle and then if you see the men now men the big beer belly and they don't drink beer yeah that's i mean always you know, a big I mean, indicator, yeah right? big old beer belly you know, they said well i don't drink beer well i mean in one reason they that beer does do it. Beer is carbohydrates. Well, beer is a combination. You know, it's probably one of the worst things in the world, even though, you know, I've always liked craft beers and so on. I don't drink it but um, anymore at all because it, it tends to play havoc with the body's metabolic uh, processes. I mean, it's a combination of alcohol, which our, our, our liver has to process a certain way, and carbohydrates. And you, so you get a double whammy with, with it, and you get a, an accumulation in the liver especially of those processed alcohol has to be processed into a, a fatty acid or made into a triglyceride and all that excess sugar that's in there in the form of the uh, grains causes the same thing so it's really kind of a right and that's win. what the liver does once it starts getting all this excess fat right is it actually starts exporting it as triglycerides right and you'll start seeing people's triglycerides raise right and so, you know, when you look at the lipid panel, which is you'll see high triglycerides and mm-hmm. sometimes in triglycerides will even raise your cholesterol because it affects the VLDLs. It'll, I mean, and the VLDLs are always going to elevate when the triglycerides elevate. Well, it's a carrier for your triglycerides. So as the, as the triglycerides go up, so do the VLDLs. And so many times we see people, they've went to their doctor, mm-hmm. they've had their lipids checked. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's one thing they always check. Mm-hmm. Um, they put them on statin drugs mm-hmm. and their cholesterol comes down. But yeah. that triglycerides is not phased. Well, and be- so it is not reducing their risk whatsoever because the triglycerides are, I think, more of a cardiac risk than the cholesterol. Well, you're thinking right because the research is indicating that. I mean, even all the research that's coming out of the NHANES, all the, you know, uh, the big studies that's going on around the country and the world, all of them come back and say that the triglyceride is the problem. It is. Uh, because of, of what happens. We with see it. Insulin. Because well, even the yeah. little thin people that have the heart attacks, they have high triglycerides. Typically speaking. They may even have normal cholesterol. It's the high triglycerides that do it. Yeah. So if you think you're protecting yourself just by taking statin drugs, mm-hmm. you're kind of fooling yourself because it is not going to protect you against the insulin resistance. No. And, you know, and here's something to think about with this insulin resistance thing that we're talking about. <clears throat> yes. Your body is becoming resistant to your insulin. Now, think about that for just a minute. If it becomes resistant to the insulin, that means your body has to, or your pancreas, has to make more insulin. Right. Now, here's one of the problems or one of the issues where higher insulin, or what we call hyperinsulinemia, high insulin levels, starts causing some problems. This stuff is not benign. When it starts going high, you start having the high lipid problems, and you're also... The insulin actually causes the smooth muscles that surround your blood vessels to grow faster than they should. Right, which tightens up yes. the artery walls. Now we got hypertension. Right, so you see the high blood pressure. Right. And how many people out there have that? Oh, tons. So it's probably it's one of the th- first things that it does is cause high blood pressure. Right, and, and they this even, will happen way before anything else shows up. 
And if you look at some of the triads, they say, okay, are you insulin resistant? High Mm -hmm. blood pressure is one of the factors that Mm -hmm. they look for because that's one of the things that you see first is the blood pressure does start rising. That and And the triglycerides going up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as everybody knows, if you think about it, if if your artery tightens, which Mm -hmm. means it has a smaller hole to push that blood through. Right. Then you're going to have to have higher pressure to push it through. Exactly. And also, when you have those arteries that are smaller, then it doesn't take as much to block them up either. That's very so true. then that's going to lead to more heart disease. Exactly. And there's no doubt that insulin resistance, diabetes type 2, high blood pressure does increase your risk of heart disease and heart attacks and strokes. Not just heart attacks, but strokes as well, because that's yeah. also little clots in the vessels. Yeah, it just happens to be in the brain. In other words, the, right. uh, when we talk, if a clot hits the heart, we call it a heart attack. If a clot hits the brain, we call it a stroke. Well, it should be called a, a brain attack, but and that's what it is, a brain attack. But and, it's a stroke. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about the fatty liver disease, mm-hmm. and there's no doubt that it, I mean, you can all, always see there's a pattern. Yeah. The high triglycerides, you know, you have the high triglycerides, you have your high insulin, and you start having higher liver enzymes. Right. Now, the liver, when it gets bad enough, it starts scarring. Yes. And once you start getting that scarring, you start turning that fatty liver disease into cirrhosis. And everybody that knows anything, or if you've ever heard, or maybe you've had a friend or a relative or somebody that you friend that you knew of that, that wound up with cirrhosis, think about it. Wasn't really pretty outcome, was it? No, it not was not. Because cirrhosis right. of the liver is not fun. It doesn't matter whether it comes from alcohol. People say, oh, well, that person should stop drinking. They have cirrhosis. Well, you should mm-hmm. stop eating. Yes. I mean, you have the same thing. Same thing. And yeah. I mean, the thing is, is people, because food is what we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. People don't think of it as a bad thing, even if they're eating the wrong thing. I think that's the problem. And I think people have changed. I mean, when people look at an alcoholic and say, oh, that person did it to themselves. Well, you can turn around and look at the person that eats nothing but sugar and carbohydrates and they've done it to themselves as well. Hate to say it, but it's it's the the truth. It's the same thing. I mean, it's it's a self-inflicted wound. But yeah, but it's looked at a little differently because for some reason, alcohol is looked at being worse to do. That's taboo. Yeah. Yeah, But Mm -hmm. people are addicted to food and sugar just like they're addicted to alcohol. They certainly are. So too much of anything is not good. And actually too much, even a little bit of sugar is not good. Even a little bit. So sugar, and it depends on two, how well your body handles it. You can take two people. That eat the exact same diet, mm-hmm. and one is insulin resistant and the other one is not. Yeah. Because then you do have the genetic factors. Right. And if you are one of those people with the genes that cannot handle it, you can't do it. It's yeah. just the way it works. And when we think about the genes that can't handle it, we have to go back thousands and thousands of years and look at those genes. That's where our genes started out. And they haven't changed a lot. Yeah. They, you know, all the geneticists still, you know, looking at the research on it and over the decades. And they say that, you know, it takes somewhere around thirty to 40,000 years to actually make a change in our genetics. Now, we haven't had thirty or 40,000 years of having a high-carbohydrate food supply. That's only been around for, say, like less than 100 years. You know, ever since Cyrus McCormick invented the thrashing machine, so, you know, all of a sudden we could thra- we could uh, harvest large quantities of these grains, you know, wheat and so on. And then, of course, here comes John Deere with the big combine, and one guy can handle thousands of acres. Right. So it becomes easy to mass produce these foods, and, of course, they're cheap. Government right. supports them. So, And the farther you yeah. go on, mm-hmm. the earlier you're starting to see these problems. We're, We're starting now to see it seeing in it teens. in the teenagers. Yes. I mean, we have, I mean, I would honestly say at least half of all the teenagers that we do lab work on 
are already insulin resistant. And it's because they have eaten worse from the time they were born. Their parents might not have started eating like that until they were a little bit older. So it really does matter how many years that you have done it. And we're seeing the teenagers start it. And one of the problems that we're seeing a lot in women Mm -hmm. is your PCOS. Yeah, I was going to say for women, it's especially Exactly. And especially when you started as a teenager, PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Mm Mm-hmm. And what it does is this severe insulin resistance um, drives the ovaries to make more testosterone. And they actually, it reduces estrogen. Although a lot of times estrogen is normal, what it really reduces is the progesterone. Yes. And so it stops ovulation. Mm -hmm. These women don't tend to have regular cycles. They tend to skip a lot of cycles. Mm -hmm. They all, you know, excessive body hair Mm -hmm. and infertility. We see so many women come in that can't get pregnant. And when you look, their insulin's high, their triglycerides are high, and they have the weight in the middle. They're not going to get pregnant um, because their hormones are not ready for pregnancy. I mean, it's definitely not ready for pregnancy. Can't happen. And so you're starting to see the insulin resistance younger and younger and younger, which is scary. We're seeing fatty liver in the teenagers as well. It's not even just the the indications of starting. We're already seeing. And if you start having a fatty liver at 14 years old. You're going to have cirrhosis probably in your lifetime, probably unless you, unless early lifetime, exactly, unless, unless you, you change, change. dramatically. Right. So, you know, even the polycystic ovarian syndrome is actually caused by insulin resistance. Now, that's in the female. Now, in the guys, for us guys, yes. we've got a problem, too. Now, yep. we, we don't have a polycystic ovary problem because we don't have ovaries. We have testicles. Right. And the same thing happens with our testicles. We wind Except up, it does the opposite. It, it does drives the, opposite. the testosterone down and the right. estrogen up. <laughs> That's right. I mean, like, dang, man, this is a double whammy for us guys. Because all of a sudden now, I feel like in the female, it tends to drive up the testosterone. In the guys, it tends to drive it down. Right. And, you know, you take, we're seeing an epidemic. And I do mean an epidemic. Of low testosterone. Of low testosterone. And not just in the older men. We're no, seeing no. it in 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds. 30-year-olds, yeah. And we're looking, but almost all of them that have the low testosterone at very young ages mm-hmm. also is, are, they're insulin resistant. Right. And so when you start looking, I mean, we're having people come in with sexual dysfunction yes. at 30. In the 30s. And it's right. like, really? I mean, you used to not hmm. see that. And so now we're seeing a lot of that. And it's another reason to eat right. Because a lot of men yeah. out there don't want that to happen. And, you know, you definitely, it's always associated with diabetes. Um, it but you, it's, it's insulin resistance as well. So, yeah. you know, we've already talked about how the insulin resistance actually can affect, you know, the liver, for mm-hmm. sure. For it sure. can affect the heart. It right. can affect the vessels. Mm-hmm. It can affect the ovaries. Mm-hmm. It can affect the testicles. Mm-hmm. Now, Is there ins- anything else left? Yes. There's a couple. <laughs> there actually there's a couple. Insulin also... Is associated with making cells divide. Ooh, so the big C word comes right. in, doesn't it? So yeah. you start looking at increased risk for cancer. Yes, we do. And so, and then that can be anywhere. I mean, that's not one specific yeah. organ. That can be absolutely anywhere. So people that tend to be insulin resistant tend to have a higher, not to say that somebody can't get cancer that doesn't have it, right. but inf- inflammation is definitely one of the markers for cancers. I mean, inflammatory responses probably started, and they do know people with insulin resistant tend to have high inflammation. They have much higher inflammation markers. They always do. And yeah, so you're right. The, you know, insulin causes cells to divide. And if you got a little, you know, we've all had, you know, various uh, cells that are abnormal. And if our body, in which can turn into cancer, and if we have this too much insulin and it causes them to divide too much, we can get something like cancer. So that's not a good thing. No. Now, no. something that we need to recap on before we stop this particular episode so that people understand what you have to do to find out. Am right. Well, I've, I've we got one more thing that it can do. Well, the new research is pointing to dementia. 
Well, yeah, we've talked about that in, in other uh Yeah, uh, actually, right. our yeah. last podcast we talked yeah, about Yeah, we it. talked about that last one. Yeah, that's and, true. But yeah. that's a big one because we just didn't oh, mention yeah. that yet today. And I wanted to throw that in because, you know, we've already, yeah. like I said, we've talked about the brain. We've talked about the testicles, the oh, ovaries, yeah. the liver, you know, the vessels. Pretty, pretty much <laughs> everything in your body, yeah. Now we're talking about the brain. Yeah. Um, the insulin resistance actually can make dementia. And nobody wants to have dementia as they get older. No, they sure don't. But, you know, again, to recap as to how you determine this, you know, if you go to your doc and you just simply do a fasting blood sugar, you don't know diddly. No. You have to do some other because testing. Because most of these people with mm-hmm. insulin resistance that we see, their fasting insulin is still normal. Yeah. Well, because they got a lot of insulin. A lot of insulin. Mm-hmm. But we have seen people that their insulin levels, their fasting insulin, I mean, fasting sugar, totally normal. Mm-hmm. Insulin should be under 10, optimal under 5. Optimal under 5. We have had people come in that are not diet, I mean, that normal blood sugar on fasting, mm-hmm. and their insulin is close to 80. Yes. Actually, I had some over 80. Yeah. Um, and so, that it, mm-hmm. horrible. And we see a lot of them in the high 20s, 30s, 40s. So, you see all these people with this high insulin, and they're the ones that come in that cannot lose weight. Right. And, you know, to, to, to fully determine, you know, and, and like I said, we do a lot of lab work, and we've developed, you know, panels to figure out how you determine this insulin resistance thing. You have to look at certain things like fasting sugar. Yeah, okay, we want to see what that is. We want to look at that hemoglobin A1C because that gives us like 90 days look at your blood sugar and see how that's progressing. The other thing we look at is insulin, like you said. What is your fasting insulin? It should be below 10. It should be optimally, it should be below 5. Yeah, because if you think about it, we're looking at insulin when you haven't eaten. Right. So if you haven't eaten and your insulin is still sky high, it means after you eat, it's really high. It has to go extraordinarily high. It goes even higher because the pancreas responds to once you've eaten. Right. Um, So that's what's left over later when you haven't eaten right so if and, you think about it a fasting insulin really should not be elevated and one thing i mean you definitely see a, a difference in the weight gain in people with how yes. how high their insulin is well insulin's job is to store fat store and the energy. other thing we look at is triglycerides i was going to say the triglycerides are a big part of it so you have to look at all of that and then take the blood pressure uh those are the things that tell you you know how you're you know where you are in this insulin resistance problem and remember it is not benign. I think if you listen to this, you just realized that everything from, uh, you know, high blood pressure to heart disease, strokes, cancer, liver problems, all of that comes from insulin, starts with insulin resistance. And so if you've got a little problem there, it's not benign. I think the, the whole thing that we wanted to do in this episode is to let you know and make sure that everybody understands this insulin resistance thing, pre-diabetes, is not a benign condition. No. And we there are a few things that, I mean, no doubt, diet is number one. Diet's diet number is one. absolutely number one to change insulin resistance. If you don't change what you eat, nothing else you do is going to work. We do have some supplements that mm-hmm. actually are helpful in insulin resistance. Right. Your omega-3 fatty acids, your fish oil, has definitely been shown to help the triglycerides and also help the body handle the insulin resistance. And brings down inflammation. It does. And it Mm -hmm. also is an anti-inflammatory. Right. Um, You have the berberine, berberine Mm -hmm. max, which Mm -hmm. can, we only use that if people are in that pre-diabetic range usually. Mm -hmm. And then we have something called GSF, which is glucose support formula. Right. When you look at the glucose support formula, you've heard of cinnamon and chromium and mm-hmm. gymnema sylvester and bitter melon, all those things that actually help the body with insulin resistance as well. Yeah, all so there. there are supplements that you can take to help if you're in that category, but you could take everything we have 
And if you don't change your diet, you're still not, you're still going to have a problem. Now, let's talk just a second about what they have to change in their diet. Okay. We have to bring we have to get rid of those high carbohydrate foods, the bread, the rice, the pasta, the potatoes, and the sweet fruits. And sweets and and sweet. sugar. Well, yeah, and just plain sugar. old sugar. Yeah, exactly. just plain sugar, right? But they, if we get rid of those things, and people say, well, what's left? Meats and vegetables and nuts and seeds, really some good food. Right. Uh, if you look at it. And fruit that is not sweet. Fruit that's not sweet, like a tomato. Tomato or an avocado or a squash. Those Squashes, are actually yes. fruit. Zucchini, um, things like so, that. So, mm-hmm. you know, get away, get away from the sweet. And I, really, one of the really big things you got to do is get off of packaged processed foods. Yeah, because most packaged processed foods use, you know, for a sweetener, and they're always going to make it sweeter to, because you want, they want you to eat more of it. They're always going to use the, the, the high fructose corn syrup. Oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's always in there. And high fructose corn syrup is just going to accelerate that insulin re- resistance that much faster. It's going to make it happen quicker That's for probably you. what's made it become a, such an epidemic. Yes. Is the introduction of the high fructose corn syrup. Right, since the 70s, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, today's little episode, maybe you've got something that kind of opened your eyes and say, wow, maybe I need to check into this. Um if you need to do lab work done, give us a call. Uh, we can tell you what to do. If you want your local doc to do it, you can go in and request that. Or you can have us do it for you. Either way, <clears throat> the big thing is start taking control of your health. Right. Know today. where you are. Mm-hmm. Know if you're one that's at risk for insulin resistance. And if you are, do something about it before it causes a problem. Exactly. Because it is not a benign condition. Well, <clears throat> folks, well, hopefully you've learned a little bit of something. And for now, we'll leave you go and have a nice life and live healthy and be healthy. See you next time. So long, and thanks for listening to Live Healthy, Be Healthy with Drs. Jim and Janine Fox, a presentation of Doctors Nutrition. Please call our toll-free customer service number, 1-800-824-0194, for more information or with any questions you may have. Find out more online. Log on to DoctorsNutrition.com. Find the archive of shows and articles at DoctorsNutritionMedia.com. 